And so tonight we're going to try to cover a few psalms. Uh, you guys know I'm a little weird, and uh, so uh, first psalm, Psalm 5, is a great classic psalm. I, I feel like singing it when I read it, but I don't want to do that to you. Um, but it's kind of like the first psalm is for the soldiers. Psalm 6, we're going to see this individual suffering physically, and it's, so, it's for the sufferers. And then Psalm 7 is for the sinners. Any sinners here tonight? You know, a lot of us, man, we come in, we've blown it, and the enemy just wants to use that as a sledgehammer to ruin our lives and just take us away from the love of God and just heap holes, coals of condemnation on us. You know, thank God for the Psalms. Have you guys ever heard that saying, there's a psalm for every sigh? It's so true. As you start reading through the Psalms, and I want to encourage you guys, you know, uh, we read the Proverbs every month. There's one for every single day of the month. You know what? I, I would encourage you if you want to get like, you know, like this crazy Christian, you know, heart, you know, read, read the Psalms every night before you go to bed. And as you just do this year after year, you watch because these Psalms are powerful. And you're going to find that you're going to eventually know, okay, when I'm sick, I, I go to Psalm 6 or you know, when I'm when I'm in sin, you know, these are the penitential psalms or or when someone's talking about me, slandering me. Well, there's psalms that are written just for that. And just uh, throughout the, the things in the course of life, you'll be able to connect the psalms. And what God will do is God will comfort you. I always tell people if you're going through hard times, really, uh, really get into the psalms. And so. Uh, Psalm 5 is a prayer of David when he was in danger, uh, big time, another tough time in his life. And so uh, we read here in Psalm 5, it says in verse 1, To the chief musician with flutes, a psalm of David, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. You guys know that song, right? Give ear to my, I won't do it, but you know. Such a beautiful song, Psalm 5. Uh, other translations say, listen, Lord, uh, hear me as I pray. I don't know if you guys do that when you pray. Um, but, you know, Lord, consider my meditation. It's almost like you can see a little kid. He's kind of jumping up and down. You know, teacher, teacher, or, or Papa, you know, the kids are all around. And that one right there, they, they just really want to get the attention of God. You know, it's like that woman who had the flow of blood and everyone was there. And, you know, it's all part of the, you know, the, the church thing. But then there was that one woman who made her way through and she just said, I just know that if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That's kind of what this is. When the psalmist is praying, Lord, give ear uh, to my prayer. Lord, hear my cry. Consider my meditation, Lord. You know, the, the Hebrew word translated meditation and can also be translated groaning. You know, please, God, pay attention to my, my groans. Lord, carefully consider, you know, my complaints. I'm going through some really tough times here. And, and when you're going through tough times, you've got to pray. You know, I, I'm a pastor. I've been a Christian for 28 years. By the, the pure grace of God, I've been allowed to serve him. In, in, and I'm just so blessed, man. But, you know, as I go through things and whatever, you mean, anytime anyone in the church is hurting, 
it just tears me up. You know, or that one's going through. This one's not in church anymore. That one fell. All those things, they just begin to add up in my life. And then, you know, the enemy comes in and he just says, hey, Manny, this is going on and that's going on. And he's just a liar. And so I'll, I'll, share, I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes I just uh, like I, I just like, oh, I know the word and I love the Lord and I'm strong. And and then God just he just slaps me upside the head and he said, what's wrong with you? Get on your knees. And pray. You know, and, and it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, you know, that's what these psalms are. They're prayers. They're songs. And that's what we got to do when we're going through hard times. Lord, please consider my complaint. He continues in verse 2. Give, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O oh Lord, in the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. You know, when you got people and they're going through life and all they're doing is looking down, you know, for different reasons. I mean, sometimes they they're ashamed of their own sin. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're just stuck on their problems. Um, and God just says, you, you got to look up. Miho, you got to pray. You got to really come to me. I love the way that King David knows who's really king. You know, I love that. You know, for us as Christians, I think it's easy to just say, well, the Lord's my savior. You know, you've got the fire, fire insurance. You're forgiven. When you die, you're going to go to heaven. We can, you know, we, we relate to that one probably a little bit easier than him being my king. My Lord, my master, the one who calls the shots, the one who wants to clean my heart. I mean, if you harbor sin in your heart and you think that, you know, God's okay with that. I mean, he's not whatever it might be. It can be anything, man. It can be unforgiveness. And God sees all that. I finally, you know, and I'm not arrived or anything, but I think what happens when you grow in the Lord is you you come to that place where you realize I, I can't have any weeds of wickedness inside of me. I cannot have any type of sin in my heart, you know, because the Lord sees all that. the The Lord is the King. He rules. He tells me what to think. He tells me what to say. He tells me how to say it. He tells me, you know, when to go to sleep, pretty much, when to wake up. He tells me what to do when I wake up. I mean, he calls the shots, all the decisions, all that I am. It has to be submitted to his lordship. He's the king. And I just love the way that, you know, David, and he's a guy, you know, with a lot of authority. He knew who, who the real king was. And and he prayed to him. And it's interesting. The king here is is crying and it's not a quiet cry. The Hebrew word has a lot of volume to it. And so he's lifting his up, his voice loudly to the Lord. And he does it eagerly. The reason we know that is because he does it early in the morning. Two times here in verse 3, we read those words um, in the morning. Uh, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you and I, and I will look up. Now, I kind of just want to do a survey here. 
Just out of curiosity, how many of you are mourning people? Mourning people. How many of you are, are nocturnal? You're more like evening people. Okay, I'm just curious. You know, um, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Just out of curiosity. You know, I know some people, they'll roll out of bed and they get their phone. Let me check my, my, any, how many likes on my Facebook post, you know, because, you know, when I was sleeping, there are people in Cambodia, they were awake during that time. And, <laughs> or the emails or, you know, I remember even growing up and my, my uncle and aunt, they would just turn on the news. It was just kind of like the routine, you know, some people, they get the newspaper, you know, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think when you read the Bible, I, I, it's encouraging to me to just think that the first thing in the morning is really seek the Lord. I, again, I know not all of you are morning people. And so don't say, well, then that I can't do this. No, I think we need to be morning, e- noon and evening Christians and we need to give it to God. But there's something uh, special. There is something pivotal. There is something fundamental, vital about the morning about getting a good start every single day. That if you can give it to God, that if you can offer the first fruits to your father, then I have a feeling, you guys, your life will change. I'm serious. Um, you know, we see it actually throughout the Psalms. Uh, there's a few examples. For example, Psalm fifty-nine, sixteen: I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense and my refuge in the day of my trouble. Psalm 88, 13. But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Psalm 143, verse 8. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. And there's that classic passage you guys probably are familiar with, Isaiah. You know, and, you know, basically what Isaiah says in chapter 50, verse 4, is so beautiful. He says that if you start off the day with the Lord in the morning, then he will give you something to say to the people that you'll experience and you'll come across throughout the day. Isaiah 50, verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. And he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens me, my ear, to hear as the learned. Now again, that's a really great passage. It's actually a precept directed to Christ specifically, but it's applicable to all of us as Christians generally. But it's just really cool when you look at it in the Lord's uh, context, because that's what Jesus would do. If you guys remember his pattern, he would rise early in the morning and he would go and spend time with his father. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. And so, you know, I'll tell you what, you guys, you may not get anything else out of the study. I don't know. Hopefully you do. But if you don't get anything else out of the study, can I just give this to you? Give your mornings to God. Because I I believe that if you give your mornings to God, then um, he'll give you everything you need 
for the rest of your life. He'll give you direction. He'll give you power. He'll give you grace. You know, not to be legalistic or anything, but in all probability, if we don't give God the morning at, in the beginning of the day, then what will happen at the end of the day will be mourning over our sins. So, I mean, I don't know. I just love the mornings. I, I like what John Corson said. He said, the manna was available to the children of Israel in the morning. But when the sun rose in the sky, the manna would then melt. And you read that in Exodus 16, verse 21. Remember, the Lord would give them the manna each day and they would have to go and they would have to get it. And if they didn't get it, by the time the sun rose up and the heat of the day kind of came, then, then the manna would melt away. And I know for me, being a morning person, if I really don't spend that time with the Lord in the morning, then it's, it's just almost like impossible. It's just really difficult to really get back on track. Although he's gracious, it doesn't mean he's going to love me more if I do this. I think at the end of the day, what's going on here in the church, you know, is I want to tell you, God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God, he loves you. He will never stop loving you. The only question is, do you love him? That's what this is supposed to stir up. It says in the book of Hebrews to stir up love and good works. And I think that'll happen when we spend time with God in the morning. You know, we're going to see as we go through this psalm that David was praying for protection. He was praying for direction because the enemies were coming against him. You know, and what ends up happening is the enemies come against us and, man, life has a way, the devil has a way of trying to make us ignorant of God's will, impatient with God's will. Ultimately, what he wants to do is take us out of God's will. And so David, he has this psalm. You know, this psalm, uh, some teachers say it was during the time of Absalom and, you know, maybe he was on the run, don't know for sure, But look what we read next in verse 4. It says, For you are are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. You know, apparently there were uh, wicked men coming against him. And uh, David uh, reminded God, hey, God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. Uh, They were evil men. And David reminded the Lord, evil can't dwell with you, God. Remember that. And they were loud and proud and boastful and workers of iniquity. And it's not that God hates them. He actually died for them. But God does hate the iniquity. Remember that saying, God doesn't hate the sinner, but he hates the sin. And that's really what David is saying right here. And and here's what's going on. And here's a a life changer for you guys, okay? When you pray, you know, you can just, uh, you know, share with God your requests. But one of the things that we see in the Psalms is he kind of starts reasoning with the Lord. He says, Lord, um, can you protect me from these guys? Can you take care of those guys? Because, Lord, we know that you hate, you know, the iniquity and and the workers and the evil. And and he just starts like like reasoning with the Lord. Lord, this is the kind of God that you are. It's not that God doesn't know that. It's just that uh, I think that what that does is that's how we're supposed to pray. 
You know, I'll share this with you guys. Please don't tell anybody. We're going to delete this off the CD, you know. But we've been praying for this property, right? A church property. Perhaps maybe we can move into it. And, and as I was praying with the Lord, I was just saying, Lord, it doesn't really seem to me like they're using it for your glory and your honor. And Lord, you know, there are some in there, they're not even giving the gospel. And, and Lord, if we were to go in, then not that we're all that, Lord, but we would do our best to bring you glory and honor and reach the community. And I was just like talking to God, trying to reason with him. And, you know, I learned that from the Psalms. I learned that because, you know, that's how David prayed. And that's how we're supposed to pray. You can reason with God. Not that you can tell God what to do, but... You know, as you begin to know the scriptures and you just begin to be sensitive to the spirit, that that's kind of how we can pray. And what it does is it adds fuel to our prayers. And it really shows him that you really do believe that he hears your cries. Lord, take care of my son, my daughter, my wife. And this is why. And Lord, you see this. And man, you just start talking to God. You know, he's in this situation right here where they were speaking falsehood, they were bloodthirsty. And in other words, they were liars and murderers. And that's a perfect description of the devil. huh? Remember in John chapter 8, in verse 44, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And that's exactly what David said right here. These guys are liars and, and murderers. And so what was going on was the devil was moving them to come against David. And I, and I, and I just want to remind you, I know you know this, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do wrestle, however, against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We do wrestle against demons. And that's what David is sharing right here. I mean, these guys that are coming against him, they were influenced by the enemy. And so, you know, we have to make sure that we use spiritual weapons because it's a spiritual battle. And what do we do? I think the answer primarily is that we pray. You know, imagine what would happen to our life if we started praying obediently. And I know some of you here do, and that's the only reason that this church is still alive. That's the only reason I think I'm still alive. I always thank God for His grace in my life. And I realize it's because, you know, these little old ladies, they're the ones that are praying and the ones that no one recognizes or acknowledges. They receive no accolades. But imagine if we all started praying the way that we should, like Daniel did in chapter 6 of Daniel, morning, noon, and night, nothing could stop him. You know, this is the way David fought the enemy. He sought the Lord. Look at verse 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in the, in the multitude of your mercy, in fear of you. I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies Make your way straight before my face. I mean, you know, if 
It makes sense to me if the devil's if he's coming after me, I'm going to run to God's house. You know, it'd be kind of like if you were in this chase and you don't know where to go, you probably go to the police department or something. You know, somewhere where they're going to protect you. I mean, that's exactly what's going on. You know, David here mentions the temple, and and we know the temple wasn't yet built, but uh, the Hebrew word hekal is actually actually used also of the tabernacle in First Samuel one nine and and three three, and the tabernacle is called the house of the Lord in Joshua six twenty four and. First Samuel one twenty four, and so just in case you're thinking, well, I couldn't have been David. He mentions the temple. No, the 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 it's it's a word used for the tabernacle, and that was where God was. And and basically, what he's saying, you guys, is truly, let's run to the Lord. David drawing near to God, something that we should do every day of our lives. You know, James four eight. What does it say? Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Right. I mean, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says we can go to the the throne of grace. I mean, you know, the Lord died on the cross. He tore the veil from top to bottom so that we can come to God. Now, some of you guys here, you're pretty messed up, right? You know, some of you guys here, maybe you don't even want to be here. You're like, the only reason I'm here is because, you know, they dragged me here. They told me I have to come or... You know, maybe you're here and, you know, even, you know, you're like, God dragged me here. I don't really want to be here. You know, maybe you're here and, you know, you're struggling. Whatever it is, you got problems, you know, you're depressed. I mean, all, all I know is that whatever the situation is, even if your heart is as cold as ice, if you run to God right now, And he will meet you there. He will change your life. He will bless you. There is nothing too hard for him. You know, and the enemies come against us. And and David just says, as for me, I'm going to come into your house in, in the multitude of your mercy. You know, we don't come on our own righteousness. We come in the mercy of God. And then, you know, it says right there in verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because my enemies are coming after me. They're trying to get me off track. I know that, God, you have a plan for my life. And I believe that for all of us here, man. There's something that you were made to do, something that you were born to do, to, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and so, you know, you're, you're going on this road, and it's a narrow path. And the enemy is just trying to just derail you, to take you off that path. And so David is praying for protection and he's praying for direction. And that's what we need to do as well. David's prayer for guidance here is a great prayer to to memorize it. I like the way the NLT puts it. It says, lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. It says, make your way plain for me to follow. Right here, it says make it straight, and that's cool too. But the NLT, it says just make it plain. Because how many of you here, a lot of us guys, we just don't get it, huh? For whatever reason, it seems that the girls are a little bit more sensitive, and they kind of know they've got that sixth sense. The guys are like, what? (laughs) And God is just saying, you know, David's here giving us a good prayer to pray. Lord, lead me. 
And as I'm trying to figure out your will for my life, and as I'm trying to figure out you know, what you want to do, Lord, make it plain. Make it clear. Make it easy for me to see. Because I, I struggle, Lord, in, in really knowing what you want me to do. We need that. We need him to make it plain for us, don't we? I promise you, if you seek the Lord, he will guide you. I've learned that in my life. You know, the, the times that I don't, you know, I feel confused, I don't know what to do, are the times when I'm not really seeking the Lord. And so David, he, he prayed. And, 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 you know, he's just kind of going back and forth in verse 9. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an, is an open tomb. And that's pretty ugly. <laughs> they, they flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. Now, uh, a lot of people really believe that this is the time of Absalom. When Absalom went in and, you know, he took over the, the, the kingdom there in Jerusalem, the palace, David was, you know, fleeing. And Absalom had said some things, you know, flattered the people, won their hearts. And so as a result of that, you know, we see here David talking about maybe what Absalom was saying. But he prayed here. And it's interesting to me that he prayed specifically that they would fall by their own counsel and that they would be cast out. And when you read the story, that's exactly what happened, that they fell by the counsel of Ahithophel and eventually they were cast out. Of the palace. You see, David knew something very important that the rebellion wasn't against him, it was against the Lord. We read that there in verse 10 for they have rebelled against you. You know, and so I, I don't know for sure. Some say this is an imprecatory psalm and that he's praying, you know, bad things to happen to them. But that's only when you know they're wicked, when you know they're not repentant. And so here David is praying those prayers and then it transitions in verse 11 from a solo kind of sung by him into a chorus for the choir. In verse 11 he says, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Now, the Hebrew word translated shout there in verse 11 is, is, a, is that word ranan, and it's usually translated to sing. And, and so sometimes it's translated to shout. Most of the time, it's translated to sing. And so what... David is saying right here is let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever sing loud for joy. That's what he's saying right here. You know, and, and I don't know if you guys do that. Any of you guys ever just sing loud? No? You're scared, huh? I, I don't have a good voice, so I would probably not, you know, do that in front of anybody except Jesus. But 
I remember one time, and I told you guys before, I had these big speakers, man, and I was on my knees in front of the speakers. And so I was just singing as loud as I could to the Lord, and I felt like I was caught up in the third heavens. It was just one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my whole life. I felt like God changed my voice. I felt like this is what I was supposed to do. You know, and I, you know, some of you guys, your voices are really bad. So I wouldn't ask you to do that here. But, you know, that's what he's saying, you know, like sing so loud, shout for joy because he defends us. I mean, imagine where we would be were it not for the fact that he surrounds us. That's the God that we serve. You know, David here, he definitely closes the psalm with joy and celebration because even though he's a target and he's in danger, God defends him and God surrounds him as with a shield. And we read that in Psalm chapter 3, verse 3, and we're going to go over that over and over again in the psalms. And we don't have to be afraid of our enemies as long as we stay on our knees. Really, that's the way it works. And, and, and you know, we need to look to God to fight our battles in the battlefield, because he is our shield. Psalm 6. This is the, the first of what is often called the penitential psalms. And so, in one sense, chapter 5 is, is for the soldier fighting back and forth. In, in one sense, Psalm 6 is for the sinner. Um, and penitence, we know, is the expression of sorrow, regret, and repentance for having done wrong. You know, when you read this psalm, apparently David was disciplined by the Lord. He'd been suffering from some illness that brought him near death. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, the closest I've ever been to something like we're going to read tonight is I remember one time I went to Alberto's and I got food poisoning. I haven't been there since, but man, I felt that night like I was going to die. It was weird all night, you know. And so imagine going through perpetual pain, chronic pain. That's what we read here in Psalm 6. It says, To the chief musician with stringed instruments on an eight-stringed harp, a psalm of David, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. Now, some say this may have been after his sin, with Bathsheba and murder of Uriah. You know, most run to Psalm 32, Psalm 51. But here, something was going on too. God was disciplining David and he had done something to deserve it. And it's amazing to me that he would sing this prayer, that he would pray it in song form. But it was a, it was a, it was a crazy ailment that was to the bones. We read that there. Heal me for my bones are troubled. Now, in the Hebrew culture, for you to mention the bones, it, it doesn't necessarily literally mean bones. What it means is his whole body was reeked with pain. I mean, it's just to the core of who he was. But it wasn't just his body. Notice verse 3. It says, my soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? You know, David was struggling, but it wasn't just physically, it was also emotionally. You know, and, and it's important for us to know that there are three parts to who we are, the body, soul, and spirit. 
we're trichotomy, right? And so what we find right here, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And it's hard to like sometimes differentiate the, between the three. But, um, you know, one has to do with uh, the, the physical part. The other has to do with what we might call the emotional part. And the other, the spirit has to do with the spiritual part. Before you're a Christian, the spirit is dead. But when you become a Christian, the spirit, your spirit comes to life. And next thing you know, you put God inside of you too. There's another spirit in there and he comes in by the Holy Spirit and still he represents God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's pretty amazing the way that we're wired. But here his body was, was tore up, but that wasn't even the, the worst part of it. The worst part of it was emotionally he was Torah. My, my soul also is greatly troubled. You know, he asks the Lord, you know, how long? Lord, how long? Verse 4, return, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? And, you know, this is, this is, this is really bad. Apparently, David was close to death. And he's asking for mercy. You know, it's interesting what he says in verse 5. In death, there is no remembrance of you in the grave. Who will give you thanks? You know, someone might read that and think, well, they're not believing in the afterlife. And, and really, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying, Lord, is saying, Lord, if I die, then I can't praise you from planet Earth. But if I heal you, I mean, if you heal me, then I will. I'll praise you now on planet Earth because you healed me. That's what he's saying. You know, when we get to heaven, you guys know that there's no faith involved, right? I mean, in heaven, it's all slam dunk. We know everything, you know. We're going to know as we're known. But here, when God heals us here, we say, thank you, Jesus. That's what David is saying. Lord, if I die, then I can't do that. But if you heal me, then I will. And right away, I started thinking of all the, the different people who I've known in life who have come close to death, but God spared them. I thought of Joey Cruz. Some of you know him. He was shot. He flatlined twice. God spared him, and God saved him. Now he serves the Lord. I, I thought of this guy, Cruz Mendoza, and I Facebooked him and messaged him today. And I said, man, I was reading Psalm 6 today, and I thought of you because the doctor said that you go home and die is basically what they told him. But God healed him. And now he praises God. I thought of Nadine. When the doctor said the only hope she has is a miracle. And God gave us a miracle. And we have her with us. That's all David is saying. He's saying, Lord... You know, if I die, and he's just, again, like we're talking about, we've been talking about when you pray, you know, you, you, you reason with God, kind of like you talk to him. You, you share with him why you're asking for this prayer request. And, and he's saying, and if I die, then I, I can't do that. But Lord, if you heal me, then, then I can. You know, when you look at this right here, it's interesting. This is going through so much. Verse 6, I'm weary with my groaning all night. I make my bed swim. I, I drench my couch with tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. 
I mean, he's worn out from sobbing all night. And, and I was thinking, you know, not only when we go through this, because, you know, the Lord might come, you know, anytime. You guys know he can come anytime, right? I mean, our, you know, nation just declared Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I mean, talk about things starting to stir up in the Middle East again. You know, that's big stuff, man. But, but he might tarry. And so if he tarries, even some of you young people, you're going to get old. You know, I'm going to get old. You know, one day, I'm, I got a long ways to go, but eventually I'm going to get old, right? You know, and then the body starts breaking down, right? And then the next thing you know, I'll never forget. And I, and I hope it doesn't happen to us. But I remember when my father-in-law was dying of cancer. I mean, just the, the pain that he went through and the battle to be born into heaven, the pain that he went through and the way that the enemy will sometimes come in and it could be mental, it could be physical struggles and he will capitalize on that. And then he lies to us. We were talking in the men's study about how Satan's target is your mind. He'll use lies to try to make us ignorant of God's will. But another target is our body. And what he'll do is he'll use suffering to make us impatient of God's will. And so when you guys are, when you go through suffering, and eventually some of you might, you got to remember stuff like this. You know, crying all night, the pain involved, our loved ones going through things like this, and the enemy pounces on us. You know, I encourage you to know that David went through this, and he gives us a psalm that can encourage us. You know, Proverbs 18, 14, it says, The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? You know, physically, you're going through hard times, but if you're spiritually strong, then you're okay. But if you're physically falling apart and spiritually falling apart, now you're putty in the enemy's hands. You see, our enemies will just do their best to push us to that point of quitting. But David knew it wasn't just a physical battle, it was a spiritual battle. And so he kept his eyes on the Lord. Now, verse 8, he says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And what's he doing right here? He's fighting. He's fighting in prayer. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. And I love this verse and the way that we close here because in David in praying, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but in praying, he just says, it's done. It's done. Satan, get behind me. Satan, get behind me. God has heard my cry. And I, and, I, and I think that's pretty cool. I think that it would be really neat if we can have an intimacy with the Lord, a prayer life like this, singing psalms and songs like this. You know, that's faith, huh? That's faith. And a lot of times I don't think we do that. We're like, okay, Lord, I lift it up to you. And if it's your will, and hopefully I'm crossing my fingers and I'm being a good person and you know and you know just this is what the bible says and and sometimes i I mean i even as um a pastor sometimes i come across people and they just got they got way more faith than i do 
I love these ladies. They're like, oh, yeah, it's done. You know, I mean, it's just, and I think that that's something that we can, we can actually grow into. You know, we have a God who loves us. We have a God that we can pray to. We have a God that we can cry out to. And, and so, man, don't ever think that he doesn't love you no matter what you've done. He loves you. But we need to repent and make sure that he is the king of our life. But I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is the only question is whether or not you know, we love him. Because God has great plans for our life. We just got to stand track.